guys. Welcome to Jammin' and Jammies, the podcast. I'm Megan Barker. We are sitting down with some of our favorite music creators and industry leaders. We're going to find out how they got where they are and get valuable insights into the music world. You can watch the interviews online or stream the podcast. Just check out jamminandjammies.com for all your jammy needs. Um, today, we're sitting down with my buddy, Troy Castellano. Troy is a, it's an artist, a songwriter, and a producer here in Nashville. Um, he's had placements on CMT, MTV, TLC, and all kinds of other major networks. Um, he also started an organization called Instruments for Education, which is dear to my heart. Their mission is to collect and distribute musical instruments and put them into classrooms, giving teachers and students a hands-on way to learn about music. So I'm so pumped to talk about all the things. Troy, thanks for being here. How you doing? Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure for sure. Uh, thanks for being here, man. I, I really am. Well, you know, I'm passionate about Instruments for Education, but let's start at the beginning. Where are you from and how did you get into music? I am originally from Minnesota. Yep. The great white North where, um, I love it down here now, but <laughs> I, I grew up there. Most of my, you know, spent most of my adult life working a day job, playing in a weekend rock and roll band. Yeah. And, uh, I always like, I was always writing songs from the first time that I, I got a guitar at like eight years old, maybe about 10 years old. I learned some chords and, um, you know, made up my own little stupid songs that nobody ever <laughs> would hear. Oh. And and then as I grew through my teenage years and into my early 20s, it was like getting into a band and playing all your favorite songs. And yeah. it was like, so that was like a lot of that was the late 80s, early 90s. And and it, it was like all the hair rock stuff. So we were playing <laughs> a lot of that. Um, That's amazing. But then, you know, the, the, the short version is, Basically, uh, about 2012, well, there's something I'll just interject. This is like whatever I wrote and put out on my own, I usually recorded, played all the instruments or had uh, a couple members in the band play. And it just never it never was really that good. And that's to be expected as you're doing it. But I was trying to be a rocker and it just never came out that way. And then about 2005 or six, I bought a CD uh Keith Urban CD yeah. from a garage sale. And I'm like, they're calling this country. This okay. This is maybe somewhere where I fit. And we were actually playing uh save a horse, ride a cowboy. So I had that horse of a different color CD. I'm like, these guys rock. This is not, this is not nineties, eighties right. or seventies country. And I felt like I fit in there. So that's 2006 throughout, you know, up until 2012, it was like, finally, I took a workshop at Barbara Cloyd's workshop yeah. at the Bluebird. And that was my first introduction in Nashville. If it was hate Ashbury days during the 69 peace <laughs> and love years, the the camaraderie and the whole vibe here was like that for songwriters. I'm like, Oh my yeah. God, you do this. You do that. We do. Oh, so, <laughs> you know, all this in common. I was just like overwhelmed. And I went back home to my wife after that workshop and, you know, well, if you're familiar with the workshop, you get to play songs for publishers, reputable publishers. Right. And I asked them all, you know, you do I have to be here. And at that time they're like, yeah, man, you should be here. If this is what you want to do. And it sounds like right. you're right on track with your music. You should be here. So I went home and told my wife that my heart's screaming to be in Nashville. I got, I'm in the I'm this deep neck deep into, uh, domestic life with three kids uh middle of adult life i have what i call a midlife 
revelation, not a crisis, you know? That snaps, snaps. I love that. Yeah, and it was, thank you. And it was like, so I went back home and told my wife, my heart's screaming to me in Nashville. Do you think we could ever make that work? And she said, well, what's the weather like? (laughs) And I said, well, I'm looking online here. It says like 55 degrees during the winter. And it was sub-zero. It was January when we are talking about this. And so that following year, we took uh, a vacation here with the family. And I kind of drove some of the back roads around Franklin and um, around the city and Music Row and all that stuff. And she, you know, luckily, because it wouldn't have happened if she didn't say, let's go. Yeah. You know, I had yeah. this motto, and it's not something I wrote, but this quote we're not trees. We can move. Oh, I love you know? that. And I'm like, that's what I told my wife. What's the worst thing about this? Part of the part of the story was like pulling our kids out, everything they know and their friends. Of course. And yeah. And and other than that, it's just any for anybody moving, man, if you can and you're dying to do it, just take the risk because home is home is where your heart is, obviously. But everything you left will be there. It'll always be there. You can go. If it don't work out or you're dissatisfied, you can go home. So that's what we did. We predicated the whole trip on if we don't like it, we can come home. Yeah. But it was so worth it, right? Moving here. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Well, so in Minnesota, it. if you know any friends from there, if you've been up there, you can you literally can have snow from Mother's. I mean, Halloween to Mother's Day. That's six months of your life. A lot. Where the driving sucks, where you got to clear snow, you got like literally a lot of the quality of life is better down here as far as weather. And, yeah. Close, or, uh, maybe some, winter. maybe some people live for uh, plowing yeah, snow. My sister, I don't know. <laughs> my sister's that way. She just really? loved winters. I, I mean, I skied, I skate, skated, I played hockey, I, I had snowmobiles. I, I guess I, I was just done. I did. You that. were done. Yeah, yeah, Nashville with Colin. Well, okay, then tell us about your first year in Nashville. What did it look like? My first year, so we we rented a house in uh, Spring Hill, and we I I basically met with a group of guys that were starting a publishing company. So I had wrote one song on Music Row that first month, and and I kind of was being a uh, I'm backtracking a little bit, but um. I was kind of like being a fly in the wall, not looking to play yet, just going and seeing people at the Commodore, maybe at the Bluebird if I could get a ticket or Douglas Corner, wherever people were playing, just see, you know, how I compare. Do I even dare try to get into this, you know? Right. And um, then, then I got with this group that was starting a publishing company, and they basically said, they listened to the stuff that I was doing, and they're like, hey, man, yeah, I would love you to come write with us. And... Uh, I'm like, okay, well, let's, what's the deal? You know, they were going to have profit sharing and all this great stuff. And I'm like, all right, get the paperwork together. And I'm not, I'm not dogging them, but it did turn a little south because I don't think they were ready. And then I had Uh some song that was floating around music row. Everybody was hearing. And I said, I got, we don't have any paper paperwork. I need to know what our deal here is because this song may get picked up and, and they're like, well, we get, all of your publishing i'm like for, for yeah for for what you don't even have a song plugger and i'm pitching this myself and basically they there was no pay they're basically giving me a light in a chair and 
I brought a lot of people in there. I felt like I just felt, you know, they're, they're, they were good guys. And some of them I still know, but I just, at that point I said, uh, I just need you to purge my catalog. And they did. So that's great. I think that's part of a lot of people's Nashville story though, is you kind of have to kiss some frogs before you, you know, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that sounds, sounds like a rite of passage, honestly. And then kind of close out that year. That was really cool and great experience. And I met a lot of people. And um, after that first year ended, our rent was uh, being raised. And we we rented to make sure we were going to be here. We're going to stay here. And then at the end of that year, we bought a house in Columbia. And, and you know, we were able to keep our kids in the same school from that first move. They went to oh, Spring that's Hill. Nice. So, yeah. And then we've made a life here ever since and doing what us writers do is like right chase uh you know hoping for a big cut and making new friends and just always like admiring i mean admiring the hearts of songwriters around here with all of the stuff we have to put up negatively you know it's it takes a it's not even couch you just gotta have that mindset like you know i'm just gonna do what i do if if people latch on like it there's room get yeah. on you know well you've got yeah you've done really well for yourself so you've been here how long have you been here 10 years it'll be nine years in july nine years almost 10 years yeah. and uh you know i don't even know how many cuts you have but you've got a whole bunch listed on your website so you're always writing you're always working on something how do people meet co-writers when they first get here man you know for me it was okay the couple in that group oh here's a quick funny story is a friend of mine from minnesota I just moved there a month later. He, call, he calls and says, Hey, you got, you got to meet my friend, Angie. She, uh, she lives down there and she's writing songs. And, um, she actually worked for CAA at the time. And, uh, so we got together and write to write. And that this was at that office that became the publisher. And I said, so where are you from, Angie? She goes, North branch, Minnesota. I go, are you kidding me? That is the town I just moved here from. What? What a small world. What a, you know, serendipitous moment, I guess, is what you'd say. But um, and then it was uh, met them, few people at that office and started writing. But I think the major way to network is just going to the songwriter sounds and and listening to the writers. You know, do you do you like what they do? does it you know is it something that can uh you two together can make something better um you know you know the whole thing it's like you get two two melody guys in a room it's and they're not lyric guys that's not a right fit because you got to have somebody pushing that whole thing to make it better so that that was it and then just going up and saying hey uh troy castellan pleasure to meet you um really like what you're doing and um you know i generally don't say we should write i'll just go here, I got some stuff on my website. If you like it and you feel compelled, like, or maybe we should, we should write that yeah. I'm here. You That's know? the way to do it. Don't pressure people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just be cool. <laughs> and we still get it to this day. People come up, we should write sometime. And I'm like, I know. I don't even know you. I, I mean, I get that's how you learn to, to have the proper etiquette. But Well, I think a lot too. And, and from all the, all the people that I've met and the conversations that I've had here, it seems a theme is that, you know, your first year or two here, you do just write with everyone. You just say yes to everything and you grind yeah. it out a little bit. And then, you know, you start making connections and making friends and, and meeting people in your schedule. You got to be a little bit pickier. So it's like, um, so somebody that we just had on, they were saying, 
they don't ask people to write immediately. They ask for coffee. And I'm like, that's a great idea. Ask somebody to just grab a coffee and make sure you vibe before you guys, you know, kind of yeah. jump, jump into dating, basically. So uh, I don't, I think that's that's cool. Be cool, I think. is Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. sure I did it a time or two at first. We oh, should no. write. At yeah. first, yeah. But I'm saying as you got more successful and a little busier, I'm, I'm sure it's like, oh. You got to be careful with yeah. your time. You it, know? And, and it was also kind of weird, like a weird dynamic that, hey, you think, you know, they, that I had a publishing deal. It was kind of, but it really wasn't. Yeah. Set stone. And then yeah. everybody's like, we should, he's got a pub deal. He's got a pub deal. Yeah. <laughs> got nothing going on over here. I don't know what the excitement is, but. Um, it, well, and that's something I think that people learn after a couple of years too is is like a publishing deal can mean so many things. Like everybody's deal is different, you know. So yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So. But it, yeah, but just being able to say you have a publishing deal accounts for a lot of uh, excitement and attention. <laughs> can I can I add to that story about coming here? There's one thing I want to oh, yeah. say that that was really a blessing was there's a producer that lives down this way. He's in in Paytonsville or. or uh, Franklin, but um, before I moved here, his his name's Joe West. He's a oh he's yeah, a we know Joe. You know Joe. So yeah. he did a webinar on some plugins for recording. At the end of that, he says, "Hey, here's my email. Reach out to me if you want to. Uh, if you have any questions about today." And I reached out and said, "Hey man, I'm coming to Nashville. I've never been there. I don't really know anybody. Uh, I'll be there in a month. Um, just wondering if you got time for a coffee. You know." Yeah. And he said, he said, dude, uh, just come over to the studio. We'll talk studio and, and uh, songwriting. So awesome. he didn't know me from Adam, you know, that he just said, sure. So I went and met him and we chatted for a good half an hour. And he's he had some number ones. And he goes, well, what do you want to do here? I said, well, <laughs> I looked around and said, what you're doing, you know? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I want to have some hit songs and maybe have a studio that I can, you know, cut songs whatever but yeah. that was a big that was a big uh opening for me and and i'm really uh you know I, I sincerely appreciate him he didn't know me and then i played him one song he goes yeah man that's pretty much that's on radio right now um you know and the question for him should i be here he says if you can do it come here you know yeah. and we've been friends ever since you know so Dude, that's so cool. I love when you hear good stories about good yeah. people because honestly, guys, like most stories in Nashville it, are full of good people. Nashville's full of good people. And and you're right. He didn't have to do that. But uh, but good on you for asking. I feel like half the battle is just asking for what you want. Do you agree? Yeah. You know, just yeah. just ask him for coffee. Like you're never going to get to talk to him if you don't approach him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and that's not. Yeah, that's one thing. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people that hesitate to, you know, they don't want to impose on people. Yeah, but, but there's, but, you know, there's a way to be cool about it. And you were cool about it. You were like, hey, man, like, you know, can I buy yeah. you a coffee? Like, everybody likes coffee. <laughs> yep. And like you said, it's a great just way to see if you click and what their aspirations are. Do they match what yours right. are, you know? Right. You know. Right. But good for you, man. That's awesome. And good for Thanks. good for Joe. We love Joe. Um, yeah. You have a lot of female co-writers, a lot of female cuts. Let's talk about uh, why is it important for you to support women in country music right now? I, you know, that seems to be who reaches to me the most, you know, <laughs> and 
and I, I think that too, because I see that a lot. I think, I think there's very much a displacement. There's just more girls here trying to do, I could be wrong, but I think that's the case. There's, there's more a lot of females right now trying to break. Yeah. Or yeah. Getting into this. And I think maybe sometimes guys are a little bit too, uh, not sure what the word is, maybe a little too stubborn to, you know, ask somebody, I don't yeah. know. Um, I'm looking but, at my wall here. Yeah. I just, I put the cuts that I have their CD or their artwork on the wall, like, like we all do, but yeah, you're probably right. It's two thirds, two thirds. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, I, th I think Paul Worley's known for working with females and, uh, it really is a totally different thing. I, I don't know about writing for female, but producing female is definitely totally different, you know, vocally and, uh, I just really yeah. think that, that there's an art to it and it really is different. So I think it's Yeah, cool. and there's there's so much talent and I've totally there is, this. Yeah. everybody, you know, all of us I think understand this that that women need that opportunity just as much as the men. Like they yeah. they have their life is as viable as yours is, you know, a guy artist versus a girl artist. It, it's you can't lock them out. There's too yeah. much to say. And sometimes, for sure, guys learn from my perspective, especially when we're writing songs, because, you know, us guys might be thinking a little bit more shallower about the situation they're trying to convey. And you hear it from the heart from the person who's trying to say it is like, let's all right, let's shape that into something magical. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, give everyone a seat at the table. I want to hear the story from everyone's perspective. I love yeah. that. And I try to do that with the round app opportunities that I get, you know, if it's the, if I, I'm all about like, if I can, of course I'm trying to get ahead, but I'm like, I'm all about paying back. So somebody gave me the opportunity to play the listening room when, and I get that opportunity to book around. I'm doing that. It's, right. it was the same for the bluebird. This guy helped me. I'm going to do what I can for the next person who didn't get that opportunity. That's right. It's yeah. not hard to just keep good people in the back of your mind. It's really not that hard. And when something comes along and you think, and they pop into your head, oh, this would be a great opportunity for so-and-so. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's just, we wouldn't be anywhere if somebody didn't help us along the way, you know? Right. Any of us for that matter. Any of us. For sure. Nobody really, truly, you could be so talented like you, you're an artist, a writer, a producer, you do all these things, but still you can't do everything on your own. We need each yeah. other. So, I'm trying to, and the producing, it's like, I'm kind of a, uh, I mean, producing is like the thorn in my side. You got to do it. <laughs> First of all, I only did it so I didn't have to pay for it, you know? Right. <laughs> and that, now yeah. I have actually done a couple songs outside where I'm like, man, that's so much easier and faster right. <laughs> than me doing it. And, and I'm kind of, I, I'm okay. I'm not really the greatest producer. I'm always learning and trying, you know? Well, every good producer is constantly learning and working yeah. on it. So I think if you have the skill, you should own it. I think it's amazing. It's impressive. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's a necessary evil for me now. Right now, I would love like we all would love you get some capital from a successful song that's right. going right into everything else. And that's probably, you know, that's just reinvesting in the business. And I don't know if I at this point would reinvest in more gear or any of that. I think I yeah. would just be like. Let's go with this team. They cut their, there's the, the musicians in this town still blow my mind. I'm like, I know you just heard that you heard that work tape with all the mistakes in there. And this is what you did. 
Right. I'm like, oh. I know. And then you hear the guy in the background or the bass guy going, yeah, I gotta be done by three. I got a session with Joe Bonamassa. I'm like, what? I know. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Joe. Yeah. Cool. Tell him I said hi. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard to know where to put your money. There's like, there's so many things in music, especially, I mean, I'm, I'm an artist and I write for other people and I, I record at home and I'm always trying to do videos and content and it's so much to keep up with. I mean, I'm, I'm really yeah. bad at, I'm really bad at the TikTok, all of that stuff, because there's so many things that you have to focus on so many things you could put money into. And it's like, I think about that a lot. I'm like, okay, if I had a, a big song that, that cut me a nice check, what would I I wouldn't know where to put it. There's so many things. And I'd have to fight the urge to just go buy boots and guitars because that's my yeah, favorite, for sure, my favorite thing. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, we could chat all day, but I want to talk about instruments for education because I just, I think it's amazing. Tell everyone exactly what it is and how it came to be. Um, instruments for Education is a nonprofit that collects and donates instru instruments in the Middle Tennessee area. Um, we donate to students, teachers, and schools. What you know, K through 12, whoever requests those instruments, if we have it in inventory, we will deliver it. Um, and it all it, it started in 2018. Part of it was like, uh, that comes from that first year of being here, asking people, Hey, can you introduce me to so and so? Can you play their, my song for them? No, all, the, all of this, like, improper way to go about it i'm always taking it and when i meet someone i'm asking can you help me how do you know that guy like and learning from that yeah. well about 2018 um a songwriter friend said hey do you got a keyboard that i could borrow i want my husband's a teacher and he wants one for his classroom and i said well can't you just get one from the music room and like no none of them instruments can go into the uh classrooms you know the teachers can't take them so I borrowed him. I gave to him a Casio keyboard, fully function. And he sent me back a video of him. I can't use the video, too. And this happens a lot because the kids in the pictures and parents don't want it on the Internet. But the video, the initial video that sparked this was him sending me a video of him teaching the kids. It's a fifth grade class. So 10 year olds, the phases of the moon to the melody of blue moon. They all wrote the oh. lyrics the, they learned the science. And they would learn the signs by writing the lyrics. And then they were all singing, you know, arm in arm, like a kumbaya moment. And Aww. he was, he was telling them, Oh, you know, quiet down. Don't get so excited. They were so into it. I just went and looked, I said, that guy's getting through. And my kids at that time were 15, 14, 15, 16, right around there. And I just watched them just be absorbed by screens, whether it was Netflix or, uh, your iPhone or YouTube or uh, Xbox, any of that stuff. And I thought that teacher's getting through. I see enough dusty instruments in writing rooms or people's homes. And I thought, I'll start asking if uh, I'm at a right and I see a guitar that don't get used. Hey, you using that? If I could get that into a student teacher or classroom, would you donate it to me? And everybody said yes, you know. So the first 10 went out with any formal, you know, I did have a name, Instruments for Education. And then then shortly after that, filed the full 501c3. And we're it's just me running it right now. I'm I'm working like to we don't get enough funding to to get to hire people yet. Right. So but um there's a bunch of aspects to this, but I'll back up. It's like 
Um, so 2018, we started by the end of that year, I think it was like 65 instruments were donated. The next year it was a hundred and some. Um, then we lost some time in there with COVID, but since 2018, we've donated up till today, about 560 instruments. It, it is really, that's amazing. That's a is. huge number. It really is. And it's like, you know, so that's an average of a hundred a year. Um, and that, you know, we donate 10 ukuleles at a time. We donate, you know, just one couple of weeks ago, it was like 35 electric guitars. And I, I'm blessed to have, you know, um, other organizations that they do things like team building. So for the corporation will come to town here and they have their three weeks of training and then they have a little fun event called team building. And they put the groups into tables of 10 and there might there can be anywhere from. Uh, 50 to 500 people in these builds and they build a kit guitar and then they get donated to veterans they get donated to handicapped they get uh or disabled i should say and they get donated to me which in goes in the hands of students so like last week we got into the inventory about 35 guitars electric guitars and then it's 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 been solvent that way you know yeah but there are times when people reach out for things that we don't get donated a lot is ukulele or brass and woodwind. Yeah. So um, we purchase when we can too. It's like, Hey, we've got enough budget here to purchase those, the xylophone or the ukulele or whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so our big push right now is to um, I'm just looking for a, a grant writer to that we can do it on a commission, part of that percentage of a grant. And this is, Part of this is me, like the growth. I'm a little stifled because I'm more of a creative than a technical. And when <laughs> when you that. do, when you fill out or grant requests for through the government or through private foundations, they're almost like a 50 page uh, business sure. loan. Right. And, and I feel like I keep missing those because I'm just not right. describing in detail what they're looking for. So I, I need a professional on that level. Yeah. Cause the next, the next stretch would be, we do middle Tennessee. So we do like 70 miles. I'll go up to a hundred too, if I can get a couple stops out that way between uh, around Nashville. And the goal is to get an office in uh, Knoxville, Chattanooga and Memphis to cover the whole state. But wow. you know, the challenge is those, the people that are going to be doing what I'm doing there can't do it for free, you know? Right. Right. So and I, I didn't realize that, too. I'm a little green. I got to admit that I didn't realize nonprofit would be a lot of fundraising or trying to right. get funds to grow. And I was just thinking about the give back part, you know. Yeah, the yin and the yang of it, right? Yeah. So one point, maybe, you know, Keith Urban donated eight guitars to us. I didn't get to meet him, but I was hoping that I could to explain a little bit more of what we do and if they're, you know somebody in that kind of position if they even tweeted about it you're just going to get that oh, much awareness you it'd know? be amazing yeah. yeah yeah well that was my next question was what's next but that seems like you kind of already answered that you know you're working on grants and just keep spreading the word in the meantime um you guys do accept just cash donations right yeah yeah for sure yeah how do people donate they can donate through instrumentsforeducation.org there's a, a monetary donation tab and there's a instrument donation tab. And then there's also, you know, the same thing for 
student request or teacher request. So everything's all there. That's perfect. Yeah. So if, if somebody is watching right now or listening and they have an old guitar in their basement, what are the qualifications like, <laughs> you know? Well, just, yeah, for the instrument itself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just no as holes. Long, Come on, guys, no holes. Right. As long as they're playable. Okay. Um, there's a few that sometimes, you know, I get I get a, um, an amount that's from those guitar building shows. Some of the manufacturing is bad on it. And right. so there's probably out of those donations, there's probably a 3% that aren't usable. Even for some the of the part. Yeah. What the, what makes them qualify is that that they're definitely usable or repairable. Yeah. You know, um, okay. I do a so lot of the repairs and set up myself here at, at the matter of fact, this weekend, I got to set up all these guitars for a delivery next week. Wow. That's amazing that you're doing all this yourself, man. And, you know, guys, on that note, I mean, if you have an instrument, just guitar, ukuleles, you were talking about any any kind of instrument, really, um, that you're not using, donate it to them. But also, you know, you could do a cash donation or just share, you know, yeah. an, an Instagram post or, you know, if you got if you wanted to make like a full TikTok about this, if anybody feels called to do so, I feel like that would be super helpful too to spread the word. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's really what it's about. Just raising awareness, because most of the people are like, well, I didn't even know this existed. You know, I actually stopped into a school. The The person wanted me to deliver at their home, but they put school address. So I go in there and and so they didn't know anything about it. And then a little while later, I get start getting requests from the teachers in that school. I'm like, see if they only knew. But also, this is the tricky thing is I got to manage the inventory because I can right. get depleted like quickly. I'm sure. And yeah. not have anything on the shelf to donate, you know? Well, this seems like something too that I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it, like you're always going to need instruments because even if you supplied everyone in middle Tennessee, you know, next year they're going to need more because they get old, they get broken. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's probably an ongoing fiasco for you. <laughs> yeah. And other thing we do to raise money is like auctions. Sometimes like uh, one of the Keith Urban guitars, his office said it's okay to auction one of them. And that one was a tour guitar that had his uh, himself on the back, you know, all graphically really cool. The back of the guitar said Defying Gravity Tour 2011. That's cool. Yeah. That's and my so, favorite album of his. I love that one. Is it? That was oh. like that. That raised like sixteen hundred bucks. We got this guitar now that was donated last year. I've been sitting on it, waiting to figure out how we can get the most, uh, you know, funding out of it. It's a guitar that was in the tornado, found in the debris, that is signed by Carrie Underwood and Billy Carrington from the 2010 Play On tour. Oh wow! Or play, play it on, play on. Yeah, I think that was it. But. That was in one of the drop bins. Someone donated it with a note that said, hey, we found this in the debris of the tornado. Wow. And we put we put it all out on social media. Is this yours? Claim it. We got your guitar. We, they did it for a few months and nobody responded. So they donated it. Wow, that's insane. So there's two cool stories with that. That's amazing. Literally. Well, yeah. Where do you do the auction? How do the auctions work? Well, I, there's one and I, I, it's charity, charityauctions.org. I do believe they don't take any fees. Um, and any of those other sites like eBay are just 
too much of a right right yeah, there's, just, there's just too many nefarious people on there trying to scam yeah well you guys you well you guys you and your team you have put together some great shows uh do you do auctions at live shows have you done that no um we did a funder we did do you know if you remember i started doing them at the listening room right we did two and then that was like a little crazy because i was like we're just gonna do one song each four up in a chair 20 people through the two hours it was a little bit maddening to you know (laughs) But, I but remember cool... I got to be there and it was really fun. Yeah. And we, oh, did you, did you play one of them? Yeah. 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 Okay. And you know, we got Charles Eston to come and do one. Yeah. That was through Jane Bach, which I really appreciated, but, but I think, and then now that I had these, so we did that a couple of years in the pandemic hit. And then it was like, uh, I had to get back into this cause this is what I really want to do. We got to keep instruments for education going. We can get back in the schools now. And the health problems I was having last year were just like, I could not bring on such a big event yeah. again. Yeah. And so we did a couple of small ones the last two Christmases at uh, uh, McNamara's Irish pub, which, <laughs> you know, and there, there's other things in the works. We're going to be growing into bigger, better events or more, you know, more space. And then also kind of like, you know, we want to do streaming where if you're not here, you pay five bucks, you can get the feed. Yeah, I love that. And, and with more hit writers where, you know, I think it's very important that when people do uh, pay, I mean, this is how I feel. It's like, just like when you bring an artist into your round that the people know some of their songs. It's such a great experience for the fans, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And they'll come, yeah, and they'll hopefully come back or donate, but. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, here at Jam and Jammies, we are 10 out of 10 for the we the hit songwriter experience. I totally get it. It's special. Yeah, that, and you're doing it's magic. At, yeah, and you're doing these at the city winery now. That's really cool, too. What a great we, venue. Yeah, we did. We just we just did a great run of shows at City Winery. And we're going to, well, you guys just stay tuned for what's next. But it's yeah. it's it's great. But you know what? Let it let me know how Jam and Jamie's can help. Maybe we can work something out together this year. I'm just gonna throw yeah. that out there, guys. Maybe we can collab and make some magic happen. That would be cool. And yeah. I do there are a couple team members. Jeff McMahon helps with some of the media. I love Jeff. Yeah, he hasn't lately because I've just been back into this doing it on my own time. That's the other thing. I hate uh to impose on people. So he's <laughs> he's, he's the media guy that's actually on the, the board. And then my wife, who's an accountant, she's the uh, the money person on the board. And then another, uh, Jane Blakesley, uh, actually a high school friend of mine that lives down here. She helps with uh, our organization, too, when we throw events. But but yeah. I feel like I always feel the same way. I'm sure we all do, but I can't pay them. So I hate to ask them to take time out of their day. You know, not very. I don't want to do that very often until. I know. Actually, yeah. Well, I, I really think it's super special what you're doing. And obviously people are excited to help. People are excited to help for free. So thank, keep thank keep you. doing what you're doing and let us know if there's ever anything we can do to help. We'll keep yeah. spreading the word. That's it. And, and you know, maybe we do something to, together with uh, Jammin' and Jammies where we do maybe yeah. a fundraiser night for that too, you know. I would love that. You guys heard it here first. This is where the idea was born. Yeah, and, and this is how it happens. It's just organically yeah meet people and they go hey i've got this uh thing that may be able to help your organization yeah. whether it's ours or an event 
that's how it works, you know? And well, and I feel like we've come full circle in our conversation now because it's all about just meeting people in Nashville, in the music world, in life. Like just doing cool things, you got to just meet people and talk to people, sit down and have conversations like this and just see what happens. Yeah. Make yourself available. Be available. I love that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just be open. Well, Mm -hmm. I feel like I could talk to you all day, but this feels like a really good place to wrap it up. So I really appreciate you coming on here and talking to me about everything. Thanks for asking me. And and I admire what you do as well. It's like, I, I, Maybe I, I'm not always commenting or things, but it's like we see each other and are aware of what's going on. And, and I appreciate you know. that. Likewise, the algorithm and, is trash. <laughs> and you can tell the people and their tenacity, you know, like it's, yeah, what we, the heart, I mean, the songwriting heartbreaking part of it is tough. But man, I think this is something I feel in the last few years too is like once you're, jaded enough to not need any reward out of it anymore i shouldn't even say jaded but once you're at a point where you're not looking for any reward out of it you're just doing what you do that's the place to be for success because do it do it because you love it you know you're not itching for a publishing deal or itching for any kind of validation or cut like you just yeah like i've I've mentioned this a few times probably on here now because it was so true but like i was really burnt out in 2019 and i was really on to cool things and and obviously really kind of crushed when COVID slowed all of that down. But in a way, in a way, obviously COVID was a blessing because I got to just step back and um, I've never appreciated making music more this last year since things have opened back up because I missed it so much, you know? And just just hanging out with your friends outside studio on your writing place. Exactly. Like I just have this whole new respect and, and, less expectation and just enjoying it. So absolutely. I agree with you. Well, you've got the right, the right brain, my friend, the right mindset. It's all here and and appreciate what you do, man. It's incredible. And I'm sure it's a huge workload. Yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Well, let's do this again sometime. We'll like check back in and and do an update. Yeah. Let's do a fall update. Yeah, man. Okay. Well, thanks so much. We'll see you soon. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.